Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 26, Never Say Never Ever. This week, we're discussing season 2, episode 11 of Doctor Who, Fear Her, and season 2, episode 13 of Buffy, Surprise. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. And I'm going to start this week on a, a little bit of a rant. And I know Kat <laughs> is nervous about this because, like, it's blindsiding her a little bit. Um, no. He so, refuses to tell me so... what the nature of the rant is. <laughs> Here's the I'm thing. Ready. Here's okay. the thing I don't get. Why okay. are fathers portrayed so horribly in Doctor <laughs> Who? This is has been at least... Within the last uh-huh. few, we've seen some really nasty fathers. And and don't get me wrong. These are despicable guys. I'm not saying we should like the guys themselves. But why is it the fathers? Yeah. Are there no mothers that deserve such, you know, I, I feel I feel such a bit scoring. of discrimination coming on here. It's it's yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, what I will say it's not just with Doctor Who. Buffy's father certainly hasn't been a shining mm-hmm. example of um fatherhoodness um you know like you know so um yeah no that's interesting i mean my gut my first my first gut reaction was to say well two different stories by different writers but then that you do have the showrunners and producers who are overseeing the season Mm -hmm. so you could maybe have russell davies or someone saying hey guys we have two you know bad father stories a little too close to each other Yeah, yeah, and I don't mean to paint too broad of a picture. Like it certainly isn't like every episode, but it's no, but it's every almost like within within a handful of episodes. Yeah, yeah. This season, we've definitely seen you know a couple at least, Um, and you know Rose's father has been in a couple episodes and hasn't Mm -hmm. always been sort of the stand up guy that we would hope. Although I think, you know, at least with with Pete, we get some redeeming qualities from him, right? It's not, it's, it's a more and complex we also thing. Have, and we have Jackie, who's also, I think, not just, you know, a, a black or white mother either. Like, right. she has her own issues. So we're not given entirely, you know, amazingly wonderful mothers either. But definitely we have had two pretty monstrous fathers, pretty... Yeah, close together. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so okay, so rant may have been too strong of a term. I it was something I wanted to point out because I feel like yes. I don't know, and maybe it was just the proximity of of the two. Um, yeah, you know yeah. that that might be part of why. But I'm like, oh man, again, a father who's a jerk and who you know apparently beats his kids and stuff. You know, or kid anyway, and yeah. possibly his wife or whatever. Um, yeah, you know, so. And that's not to say, yeah. again, that that sort of thing doesn't happen. It's just like, where's the, like, sublimely evil mother? You know right. what I mean? Like, we get, okay, <laughs> okay, we get, the, we get the mothers who are sort of um, black and white. Uh, not black and white. I mean, like we were saying, like, with Jackie, like, yeah, she has her flaws. She has her virtues. Um, yeah. and And same thing with Trish. I mean, you know, generally a good mother, but she has her, you know moments of willful ignorance kind of thing you know like it, it so you know not not a hundred percent 
good there, but you know, you get the sense that they're trying at least to be nurturing and trying yeah. to do the best that they can versus the fathers yeah. who are just jerks. Right. Um, well, yeah. I'd have to think about, I can think of at least one mother. I mean, obviously we're talking on the fly. I haven't sat down and yeah, thought yeah. about this. No, I know. I, I, on the top of you. my head, I can think of at least one mother who is more like these fathers in that she is bat blank insanely awful mm -hmm. um like and fits into that like like it's hardly even like a flawed mother it's just like okay um she's the monster of the episode um so that I sort of thing of it, is coming. i can think of at least one although it's not for a while there may be others so i'm not sure we that might be an interesting thing to see like do we notice it's always bad fathers rather than or or do they do mix it up i'm not sure um I'd have to think about that a little bit more, but yeah. And is the mother a stepmother? Like, is it the whole like evil stepmother no, sort of thing? No, okay, all no, right, it all is right. a natural mother. Okay, um, and mm. she's she's great. <laughs> she's she's like it's actually a character. It was actually in the most recent series in season seven, so it's not for a while. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so, so it's like two years from now for my. Remember this conversation. <laughs> Um, but like in that same category of like nigh unredeemable, you know, more like the father in the, even more unredeemable than like Eddie was, you know, in the idiot's lantern. Like at least you kind of felt bad for the guy. Whereas like now this dad in the wardrobe, we don't know him, you know, we only know Chloe's nightmare. So who's to say that we wouldn't feel sympathy for him in some way if, but, like, we don't actually see him, so we don't know enough about him. That is interesting to have two stories like that so close together. Mm. So maybe we should keep an eye on that for the future to see, if, is that a trend that continues, or is that just, you know, a coincidence that these stories were so close together, and maybe they'll mix it up a little bit more in the future. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to make actually, too much a, of it. There's, there's, a mother, there's a mother next season who might... He's not unredeemable, but she might. She's not not such a great mother. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, come back well to and it. unredeemable is kind of a, you know. So with Tommy and his father Eddie, um, you don't get the sense that he's totally unredeemable at the and end. That's so. what I was thinking. Like, yeah, like you have at least some sympathy for him. And this dad, we don't ever see this dad. We only right. ever see Chloe's nightmare of the dad. So. You know, maybe if we met him, we w we might feel. And that's a good some point. Pity and actually, with whatever. But you um, have to wonder if even the picture monster thing is an accurate portrayal of him. Yeah, who's to say? Like, I mean, it's if if it's is it him, or is it you know like so this this entity which we can even talk about the Isolus a mm -hmm. bit. Um, but the, the Isolus is being um, pulling, you know, people and things into, uh, you know, its pictures. If this is, is this really the dad? Is it some sort of demonic uh, uh, version of the father? Is it something yeah. else altogether? portraying right. the father like like you have to question is it even actually the father i mean i think sort of the surface evidence 
would lead you to suggest that yes, it is. But in sort of thinking about it, you have to sort of wonder, is it the father that's actually in the picture or is it, is it a projection of the father, you know, sort of the worst fears of what the father was. That's kind of how I, that's how I read it. Yeah. It's like it has as much to do with, or more to do with Chloe's. And that's nightmare and perception, her sense perception. Right. And it's not than, to say that it's not like a physical manifestation of the ghost of the father. It's, a physicalization of Chloe's fear of her father, I guess. Right, and and it's not to say that the father didn't do horrible things. I mean, right. you know, the mother certainly seems to remember as well. You know, Trish remembers that there are some pretty god-awful things that happen there, too. You know, oh, well, you wouldn't feel sorry for him if you knew him kind of thing, you yeah. know. And, right, that's a pretty, that's a pretty harsh and, statement. <laughs> but at the same time, it's... You know, as a human, as an actual human and not, you know, a drawing of someone you remember who died over a year ago. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, is there some selective memory going on there? Is there and and not purposeful? Like it just may be those are the things that they remember. Um, Yeah. But, you know, there may have been redeeming quality. I don't I don't know. I, I mean, we only get what we get in this episode. So it's just right. You know, that's the question is how how reliable is the drawing as a narrator, so to speak? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or Chloe. I guess it's Chloe who's the unreliable narrator there. Yeah. Like well, own... and Chloe through the thing that's possessing her. Yeah. Like, so there's a couple levels there that it could definitely be explainable that it might be worse than actually the father was if it even is the father itself yeah yeah right. i don't know i don't know it's interesting anyway so my my rant has shed some insight i feel um no i i that was a, that was a fairly mild rant. no i know I, rant was too strong of a word i i perhaps chose the word rant to scare you just a little bit um and it, make well, you it wonder. Is Halloween, it so. is. Yes, we are recording this on Halloween. That's this is true. Yeah. Um, and I even was in costume when we started. But anyway, <laughs> we won't go down that road. We've already done our Halloween episode. Um, yes. So, well, let's talk about the Isolus a little bit then, because you. I mean, at the end, we do get a return of the things that the Isolus drew. Like, everything comes back. Yeah. Well, I guess including the father, although the father monster thing isn't sent back to its own place wherever it got it from. So that's right. that's an interesting um, sort of aberration, I guess. Like, why didn't that go back to, I don't know, hell, maybe? Or right. wh- wherever, right. whatever, however it created... But that, well, then I guess it also created that scribble drawing too, right? So it's not like unprecedented. Right. It created that sort of out of nothing, the scribble right. monster. Right, and that the doctor kind of speculates about that. Like, if if people can become drawings, then maybe drawings can become, or live living things can become drawings. Maybe drawings can become living things. Mm-hmm. So he's already starting to wonder. Okay, it's almost like Madame de Pompadour's. A door can, once open, can be stepped in either direction. Like, if you can pull the kids into the drawings, then 
when, you know, then when the Isolus leaves and sort of does the, the, the right thing of releasing all the people from the drawings, it kind of doesn't really pay attention to what it's doing and it lets everything out, including mm-hmm. the drawing, which was never a real thing to begin with, I don't think, which is, you know, kind of why I guess it's still powered by Chloe's imagination um and that's why it needs her to sort of calm herself down in order for it to fade away yeah because it's still sort of feeding on her dreams and her nightmares and everything yeah Hmm. that was my interpretation of it anyway like there's some sort of like there it is powered by the by the isolus but there's still some sort of link to chloe's subconscious i think right right yeah, no, that's that's definitely interesting, and yeah, and and the link also being with the singing and the holding of hands and the togetherness mm-hmm. of her and her mother at the end there, right. um, kind of all all coming together to defeat it. Yeah. Um, it was funny. Um, I wasn't even thinking about this episode, or I don't. I, I knew this was. I think I just wasn't thinking like, oh, what's next week's episode and everything. Last week, we talked about um, invasion of the body snatchers, mm-hmm. and 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 I was kind of like, oh, there must be a Doctor Who episode that does that. And then I watched this. I'm like, oh, there is. It's this one. <laughs> like, there yeah, is kind that of. element of. They even kind of refer to the spaceships as pods. Like there right, is that right, element the pod of people. like yeah. the pod people, um, which yeah. was kind of funny. It was like I wasn't even thinking about you know this episode when we were having that discussion but there is that element hmm. of um, yeah there without the without the idea of the propagation yeah um, yeah yeah the motivation is totally different right right um although in a way i mean you know the monster is trying to take over the world right like or the the isolus i don't know i don't know if monster is quite the right word Right. Yeah. Um, the Isolus is, you know, in the end, literally trying to consume the world in its drawing. Yeah. And there's a sort of meta aspect there because, like, Chloe is in there. So would Chloe then be sucked in the drawing as well with everyone else? Right. How it would that be like a, a an Ouroboros? It's like, like Flatland, you know, you know like yeah. this, like, yeah. yeah. We're on a wall. The world is on the wall, but like the wall is part of the world. So like, where does yeah. that leave? Yeah. Every yeah, that's weird. I don't know. I think I blew my <laughs> own brain just then. Um, huh. <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that a lot now. Uh, and that's funny. That's funny that you st- you check yourself from using the word monster because when I was listening to the commentary, um, actually the the writer of the episode had the doctor referred to the scribble creature as a scribble monster Mm -hmm. and Russell Davies. That was one of the notes that he gave him was the doctor would never call anything a monster, you know, that it's, it's a creature and it has its own. That's not to say that the doctor doesn't, you know, believe things can are bad or, you know, or even necessarily doesn't believe in evil, but, but just that term monster that, you have to be very careful the way you use that. And definitely, I don't think the Isolus, if anything, doesn't qualify, you know? Yeah. It, like, it does, it, does it behave selfishly? Yes. But more 
in the manner of a child yeah. then. I mean, they talk so much about it as mm-hmm. a childish. Oh yeah. And, being. and, and Rose's reaction to that too. Rose is, is zero tolerance when yeah, it comes to, when it comes to rearing children, apparently. I mean, yeah. Um, right. It's a spoiled brat that needs to be not yeah. indulged at all. Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, it is interesting. And, and you kind of get, cause you do kind of get two reactions, right. Of the doctor to, to it. One, he says, well, I was just empathizing with the Isolus. But then on the mm-hmm. other hand, you kind of get like, like he's just playing along. Like he clearly doesn't believe or that the Isolus is doing anything right. And he, and he says, you know, it's wrong for you to be in there. Like, so it's, it's not like he's necessarily even trying to trick it, but he's, he's sort of overplaying the empathic, um, mm-hmm. hand, you know, in order to get the information he needs. But then like kind of when he has that information, it's like, okay, game up, you know, I'm going to fix things and put them right again. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not, no. And he has the zero tolerance for its behavior too, but he also, I think tries to I think he does empathize with where it's coming from but that doesn't mean that it it can be allowed to go on as it as right. it is but his but his empathy is also in search of a solution whereas yeah you know Rose's lack of empathy at least at the beginning um is is more of a you know, it's, it's a hindrance. It's, it's, it's something that would actively, you know, if she took the hard stance against the tantrum sort of that she wants to, it -hmm. would be, not only would it be, uh, um, um, you know, ineffective, it would also potentially make things even worse. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it kind of in the way does, because when, when, the doctor does get put into a drawing and Rose is kind of the one like, okay, I'm good. I, I will get you out. And you know, it's like the firm stance, like don't let her do anything. And you know, you stay mm-hmm. in here with her, you know, what's the, the Chloe as you know, the isolus in, 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 uh, you know, finds all of these hidden, you know, pencils and crayons right. and stuff yeah. everywhere. And, yeah. you know, it's like becomes even more determined to do the things that Rose is trying to stop it from doing. So it, right. you know, you almost get the sense that like that just would have been as um, exacerbated had Rose kind of took the firmer stance even sooner. You know what I mean? Right. And, right. and, and the doctor, and that's not to minimize the doctor's um, empathy or anything, but it's, it's a practical empathy, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not just like, uh, you know, a a complete like bleeding heart kind of, you know, whatever it's, it's empathy, but empathy with a purpose. And it's like, okay, let's understand the problem so we can fix it the right way. And, and that's what I, like, it gives, that's what, like empathy in the sense of, it gives you the imagination to understand. Mm Mm-hmm the problem you know whereas if you refuse to understand and to empathize you're not you know you're not going to be able to feel your way to the right decision right you know it's empathy like like you said with a purpose like it helps him figure out how to solve the problem because he's put himself in the other position Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's... And, you know, some of that comes through just because of his experience, it seems. And we get that very brief... I think it's really interesting how definitely he empathizes with this particular... Uh Like, I think there's actually a lot of parallels between the two. I mean, we get the... I know where you're going. We get the mention of, I was a dad once. Yes. um, Which I do want to talk about. But but we also get all these other things, too, which, I don't know, do we want to talk about the family first really quick, and then I'll go to some of the other? Sure. Okay. So yeah, he was a dad once. So he was Come a dad on, once, and and Rose like what? But we knew this already, right? Didn't yeah. we? Didn't we get well, a mention? And, and maybe Rose did. I'm trying to remember. I when. don't think Rose has heard it. I mean, I think we, it was with the, the audience. It was with when he first met the Dalek, right? Didn't he say something about having had a family? I think he talks about and, family, but that could mean a lot of different. That does. That's not. I think if I were Rose, I would hear that and think. I had well, but that's what I mean. Like, I don't know that Rose heard that conversation. I don't think she did. Um, I don't think he's ever definitively... Like I said before, I think the only thing we know at this point is that at we as the audience, if we go into the history of the show, we know that he traveled with someone who was referred to as his granddaughter. But I don't think Rose knows that. No. And I don't, th- and I don't think... The audience who's just watching it since, like, the reboot Mm. and doesn't, maybe hasn't gone back to watch older episodes, this might be news to them. That, like, you know, him saying, I lost my family in the time war, I know my mind doesn't go to kids. My mind goes to extended family, you know, it goes to parents and siblings. Right, but the possibility is in there. Yeah, and I And I... You know, and I didn't have time to look that up because that was actually something that I, I meant to look up before we started tonight was to go back and look at my notes from that episode um, mm. just to see what, you know, what, what we exactly had talked about said, then yeah. and, and to see if, if there was some specific mention there. So, you know, shame on me for doing poor <laughs> research. I Yeah, I was taking my kids out no, trick-or-treating. I, I, so. I feel pretty confident that it hasn't been stated that definitively and i you know we did talk about well okay so we know he had a granddaughter or he says it was a granddaughter how do we even know that that's really a granddaughter whatever like there is that ambiguity there with that relationship okay this might be i could be wrong about this but i wonder if this is the first time in the history of the show that he in the whole history of the show that he's definitively said i had kids Hmm. It might okay. be. I could be wrong about that. But, um, so I think it's a pretty big, it, it's, it's hard to call it a revelation because it doesn't kind of go anywhere. Like, right. it doesn't impact the story. It's just there to sort of, I don't know, for that kind of, you're just not expecting him to go there. And then when it doesn't go anywhere, you're kind of like, all right. That's just, you're left with Rose. Like, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. what did you say? And now we're just going to blow past it. And, like, it's just a little nuance that's there to just sort of hint at this backstory. 
Right, right. Yeah. So, and it is pretty shocking, too. I think especially when you hear it come out of, you know, it would be one thing if it was like old gray William Hartnell saying, oh, I had children once, whatever. But when you hear it come out of a young doctor's mouth, mm-hmm. you know, I think that is different, too. Because even though it's the same guy, I think you're not thinking of him as looking oh, yeah. like, oh, he must have had all these children. Or no, something. certainly, certainly you're not. I, I think that's definitely true. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. I don't have <laughs> I don't have any good responses to any of that. Um, so well, he is a father. So the other thing. And Rose so is surprised is by the fact. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts on her? I mean, like I said, they don't really keep talking about it. They kind of just drop it, but. Did you have any thoughts on her reaction to that, or, um, and if not, that's fine. No. Um, no, I mean, no, I'm going to say just no (laughs) at this point, because I mean, well... Like, I think it's I think it's a similar thing to, like, what you were just saying is that, like, we don't we don't necessarily with an older actor as the doctor or an older doctor, mm-hmm. older looking doctor, <laughs> mm-hmm. we wouldn't necessarily question it. But I think that's it's another reminder of how old the doctor is, that there are lifetimes worth of things that he has done and relationships that he has had that we're never necessarily going to be privy to or, or, you know, that potentially um, could be revealed at any, any time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's there to sort of keep you on your toes, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's just slipped in there. Um, so yeah, there's not. Yeah, there's not anything. And I kind of like the way that he just brushes it off. Like it's kind of like, you know, don't don't tell me what I what I know. I was a dad too. And she says what? And he goes, oh, okay. What's this thing on the scanner over here? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, just don't don't ever forget that, you know. Like you said, like that. There's a lot that we and Rose don't know. Um, and just to sort of remind us of that. Right. Um, so, so, I mean, I think there's that, like the empathy definitely has to do with, you know, maybe a sensitivity towards a child that he, a parent has, Mm -hmm. whereas maybe Rose wouldn't, um, she doesn't have that personal experience. Um, but then, also, as I've watched this episode a couple times, every time I'm sort of struck by how so much of what they talk about of, around the Isolus also applies in some ways to the Doctor, and it suggests some kind of other things that might apply to the Doctor. So, um, you know, it talks about, you know, taking thousands of years to grow up and traveling through space, and Rose says 
thousands of years just traveling through space. Don't they go mad with boredom? Mm. And so you think, okay, the doctor spends thousands of years traveling through space. Yeah. Um, and then the way he, just the, the way he talks to it about, um, I understand you want to make a family, but you can't say in this child it's wrong. You can't steal any more friends for yourself. And you think about this lonely alien who's lost its family and is cut off and falls yeah. to earth and finds a lonely child and sticks to it. And that's not too far away from the doctor. You know, a lonely alien who travels through space, he's cut off from his family, he travels to Earth, he finds a, you know, a, a young companion who's maybe a little lonely herself, mm -hmm. and um, and he latches on. And so you kind of have the doctor psychoanalyzing someone else who's maybe a little bit close for comfort. And it makes me wonder, okay, are we supposed to... We, the audience, or we as, like, a psychoanalyst, if, how far do we take that parallel? So then are we supposed to say, okay, if the doctor is kind of like the Isolus, does that mean that, does that imply that the doctor is leeching off of his companions the same way that the Isolus le leeches off of Chloe? Yeah. Is he stealing friends for himself? Right, right. Is he also desperately lonely and desperate to be loved um so i it just makes me wonder um because it's so similar that it sets my mind going in that direction um so i don't know if you have any thoughts about that no i think that's right i think you get that sense that there is there i mean certainly that's part of what's behind the empathy um that he has is that you can't help but see his own mm -hmm. isolation. Uh, yeah, no, I don't disagree with anything you said. I don't know that I have a whole lot to add to it either. Um, and I think, well, and so I want to jump to the conversation with him and Rose about, well, the, the don't say ever, ne never, ever, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it. it's because I think that's, that's sort of the 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 difference portrayed there between their two the two of their attitudes, right? Rose is nineteen, twenty, still like mm -hmm. you know how old is she at this point? Like not very, yeah. certainly not close to his nine hundred years. Um, nope. Are, are you kidding me? My boyfriend had a bicentennial. Um, <laughs> you know the the whole idea that. Uh, well, and for the doctor, it's almost a <laughs> millennial, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're, we're talking um, a long time here. So for the doctor, you know, part of that, you, you know, we and we've gotten the before everything has an end, right? Everything mm -hmm. ends. So, you know, try, but trying to impart that to a young person mm -hmm. who feels invincible and feels like things are always going to be wonderful and great. And even though, I mean, even though she's experienced it not being that way, like yeah, still she has that sort of quintessential, you know, young adult attitude of no, things are, things are grand and they will always be grand. And, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, nothing can split us up. Um, 
you and me. They keep trying to split us apart, but but we're good. We'll always be together. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that all ties in together because I think his his empathy with the Isolus is like it all it got separated before its time, right? It's it's mm-hmm. the fact that and of course Isolus, oh, you know, isolation. We get it. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> like yeah. good good plan names and clan words and stuff. So like yeah. there almost is a sense that at some point that that is its destiny is to be cut off. Mm. from the rest of its family but that's that time comes when it's ready to make a new family of its own right so mm-hmm. like there there's there's sort of a biological imperative behind that and yeah and it it's the the fact that it happened too soon right it you know okay so the the, the cause being that there was some kind of solar flare and cut them off and and all the others are still in space and it got sent to earth for some reason um, you know, because of this flare. So, you know, it's the things happening not, well, not in their right time, right? It's yeah. it's the things yeah. that are, um, so it's, and it's interesting because, yes, he saves the earth and he saves the world. But I think, and I think we've seen this before with the doctor, that he also, you know, he's he's working to save the other creature right like it's not it's not just it's not just the earth like it's it's easy to be earthnocentric or whatever you want to call it terracentric or something you know that's why that's why um the carrying of the olympic torch is a little silly but i like it because of what it says about because when he gets out of the drawing he doesn't Mm -hmm. just run back to rose he stays with the alien. Right. He follows the torch because he knows it needs the flame to get up to space. Right, it, right. It the actually, torch itself isn't enough. It needs the full it needs fire the love and the and love the fire and, the and he needs to get and, it yeah. exactly. So I actually like, like from a character point of view, that makes like a lot of sense. Is no, I'm not finished until I've stuck with this and mm-hmm. got it back to space, and that's as important as. You know, I and mean, saving the world. Maybe maybe yeah. one Isolus versus the entire world. You know, arguable, but like the life of the alien is as important as the life of a person. That but, they're all people. To but him. it's also <laughs> it's also still in character because he he promised to help the Isolus. Essentially, yeah. I mean, you know, it it was like when he the minute he sat down to try to understand what it was and why it was doing what it was doing he sort of committed itself just like he's committed himself to Trish and Chloe and to Rose and to anyone else who he, you know, whom he's helped. And, um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I think because going back to sort of what I was saying before, the, the idea there is that, um, you know, again, he's been he's been sort of around so long and he's seen all these things happen. And and so that is sort of where his empathy, I think, comes from. I mean, I think. And some people just have that sort of empathy, you know, they're born with it, too. But I think it's certainly a, a sort of a wisdom kind of thing, too. It's, you know, yeah. it's, so, it's also something that I think that can be gained through experience and through realization of you know things being beyond yourself (laughs) um but also recognizing the importance of having a self and and having um 
you know, sort of a will and an agency of your own to be able to help other people, not not to be the one to come in and save them, but to to be able to help them in a way that they then can continue helping themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not, yeah. you know, it, and that's, I think that's one of the things that I really like just sort of fumbling through, through my words here. Like I, I do like the fact that he doesn't seem to be the sort of one to come in, swoop in and save the day. Yeah. Sometimes he's even sort of pompously says that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like in his own monologues and stuff, but he yeah. really does set up people to have better lives for themselves to continue on. Like, it's not, it's not just like, okay. And, you know, there is talk about, you know, him swooping in and leaving and, and things not always necessarily being as good as they were when he arrived or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there is that aspect to it, but I, I do think that he's at least in intention. And a lot of time, I think, in fact, um, you know, able to able to sort of give people the opportunity, whether they end up taking it or whether I mean, that's not to say again that other things won't come and and bad things won't happen after he leaves. But but I do think that by and large, that's that's sort of his legacy, right? Is to come in and say, okay, I can help you straighten things out, but then you have to take it from there. It's not. Yeah. It's not. And they lived happily ever afterwards. It's no, right. you, in order to live happily ever after, you have to continue living and you have to continue doing things that make you happy and make yeah, other people yeah. happy and that kind of thing. So Yeah, well, that makes me think of two things. One is, like, that's basically Rose's climactic speech at the end of the first season was, like, mm-hmm. he showed me a better way of living your life. Like, right, it's not right. Just in, the, about, in the restaurant there. It's not there. just about, yeah, yeah like, it's not just about he rescued me or I rescued him. It's just about his whole way of life, Mm -hmm. you know, and that he showed me how to live. And so there's that, but Mm -hmm. then also like, that's kind of where Chloe and Trish have to be at the end because the doctor's not there. Right. Right. He doesn't rescue them and Rose can't get through the door and it, it has to be, them that has to be united at the end and right. you know with the singing and the handholding which of and all course that is stuff. right right again reinforcing the theme of the episode is that is you know the being alone is what's throwing things out of whack it's yeah it you know yeah there may only be two of you but there are two of you like you yeah. you, you can't just not you, you know you can't refuse to acknowledge the other's existence and hope to make it through by yourself like yeah and that's one way like Although I agree with you, like, we get sort of nuanced mothers and then occasionally one-dimensionally bad fathers, so I don't disagree with that. But also, Trish isn't totally blameless in this, because a lot of what happens is her is because of her neglect. Like, you get the sense that she didn't want to talk with Chloe about the father. She didn't really... You know, didn't want to or didn't know how to and wasn't able to. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of so really the the decision that changes them at the end is her saying because she's sort of, you know, crying and trying to get out the door. Mm -hmm. And it's Chloe that's having to, like, hold out her hand and say, like, Mom, freaking take my hand like I need you right now. (laughs) And it's Trisha's decision has to be like, I'm here and I'm with you. Right. You know. So, 
you know, I think that's that's part of it too. Yeah. Um, so them deciding to be united as a family, not just, you know, her good decision doesn't just stop with accepting the doctor's help. You know, it, it has to continue into her taking a hand in, you know, helping Chloe with what she's dealing with. Yep. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's right. Um, Okay. We well, running we, out of time. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we've gone all what over else the place. Do we talk um, about? I think we, I mean, we've hit, there weren't a lot of characters. Like, some of these episodes have, like, a bunch of people to talk about. This was a pretty small yeah. core group. Um, I mean, other than the tarmac guy, <laughs> um, <laughs> kept laughing when they kept calling it tarmac because that's just a weird term. Yeah. Like, I think tarmac, I think, like, airport. But, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, and and he was fine, and that was an interesting scene where they're all kind of blaming him, you know, blame the black guy who doesn't belong in this neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, the token black guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though I mean, obviously Trish and Chloe were of color right. as well, but like right. they belonged, you know, like they're right. they're yeah, yeah. they're the one, you know, they're part of the neighborhood, and Trish is light skinned anyway, so you know what I mean. Like it's like, right. but he, you know, him, he shouldn't be here, and it's his fault. No. Yeah. Um, I thought yeah. that was. I kind of, I kind of like too that the 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 pod was attracted by the heat of the tar and the love with which he laid it. Into the yeah, he is really, you yeah. know, into his, you know, yeah. and that's fine. There craft. are people who are into their, yeah, they like their craft and they, yeah. they do a good job at it, and that's that's cool. Um, but yeah, no, that's it's it's uh, it was a good episode overall. Uh, so going back to the conversation though, mm-hmm. between R- Doctor and Rose, yeah, very portentous. It is, and it's bothering Quite, yeah. me. Um, <laughs> and and I just have to say that I will be really annoyed if like something bad happens to Rose in the next couple episodes because I know we're coming up. Is the next one the season finale, or do uh, we have two? It's part one. Of okay. the season finale, and there's a part two. Okay. Well, so two episodes left. Well, you know, I'm just throwing it out there that yeah that I don't know we may not have yeah. a podcast if something that happens to Rose <laughs> in these last couple episodes here. I'm just saying. No, no, of course I wouldn't be that, that petty, but um, I might have another rant at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. no, I, no, but it is, it, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's interesting. And of course we're getting ready to talk about Buffy. Part of the interest is because we get a very similar conversation between yeah, Buffy sure and do. Angel, um, about, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of the, it's actually really similar. Even the gender dynamics in both, it's mm-hmm. the girls in both saying, Oh, they're never going to split us up or, Oh, if if we got split up, I don't know what would ha- all this. And it's the guys having to say, "You can't know that." And right. Stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. And well, like... and 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 yeah, it does work out that way on the gender level, but it's also the age thing too, right? I think it's that I think it's it, it's the yeah. sort of the the the, yeah. the age right. the and the wisdom experience. experience. Yeah. 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 So I think. I think I would chalk it more up to that. Ho- you know, hopefully, if if the gender roles were reversed, like, yeah. I would still think that the one who had the more experience would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily yeah. think that the way you're saying it is a hundred percent going to happen that way. Right. The the doctor probably knows that 
nothing is forever. Yeah, no, he know? does. And and so and of course we know that. And so is, you know, are we soon to see the bloom come off of Rose? I don't know. <laughs> is this is this is this Rose's moment to wither? Are there any other bad puns I can make? Um, I'm sure there are plenty, but you know, I don't know. I was that for, for, you know, kind of coming to this high point where he's at the Olympic games and lighting Mm -hmm. the torch while also sending the alien back to its home and everyone's happy and everyone is returned. And then we get this, Right. conversation and right. now we know that bad things may be coming and of course we know that there was a prophecy against rose or yeah. something i don't know maybe prophecy isn't quite the right word a uh, prognostication anyway right. <laughs> um that that rose would die in in battle was it was or some kind of in a in battle in yeah. battle yeah. yeah and and that you know and that we are coming to the end of a season, so yeah. big things bad, tend to happen at the end of seasons. The um, end. You know, so it, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I was so happy, and then I'm not so happy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't know that there's more to say about that other than to just acknowledge that it happened, and I guess we'll have more to say on it when we actually see the next couple episodes. But Yep, yep, it's true. I'm annoyed. Um, it's not funny. I'm annoyed. No. Um, that's anyway. annoying. That's annoying. Um, yes, that's... My last thing before, since we're talking about the the happy feeling and the Olympics and everything, before we go on to Buffy, is that um, in uh, last year when they had the Olympics... Like right, the actual two, we got to 2012, 2012 Olympics. ...and had the Olympics in London, there was a petition for David Tennant to carry the Olympic flame, yeah. which was unsuccessful. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I actually, think, you know, and I thought about that. I meant to ask you about that, if that, yeah. if, if there, if he was able to do, I mean, no, lighting I the Olympic a, flame is kind of a big deal. Petition. Yeah, no. I, and I think the thing is like, uh, spoiler alert, there are other doctors. He's not the incumbent doctor at the time. It's the thing. So, you know, and, yeah. and you know that like yeah. you know that there, there are other doctors past him right so um i think it might have been different had he been in maybe 10 years I, I think um matt smith number 11 may have gotten to carry it for a little bit or something okay and apparently they had some sort of in their opening ceremonies when they had all the british you know pop culture stuff mm-hmm. in the beginning mm-hmm. um there was a Doctor Who segment of that, and they all had to sign release forms, like waivers, oh, to yeah. let their images be used, but it ended up getting cut. So he was like, what the heck? Like, I'm supposed to carry the flame. I was supposed to be in the opening ceremonies. Nope, none of it yeah. made it. Oh. <laughs> it just completely got edited well, from the whole thing. That's unfortunate, but I mean, I guess, Good. you know, other aspects of history and whatever... There are other things you, you that know, are important besides Doctor Who. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, like, I mean, like, we've seen him at the Kennedy assassination, right? <laughs> so, like, like, and, and, and on the Titanic and stuff, which we also know didn't actually happen. So, I mean, it's, it's not, it, it, you know, 
It's th- true, but how great would it have been if they actually no, recreated that it moment would've. in the Olympics? What it, a great meta moment that it would have been, been. It would have been really cool. I agree. An opportunity missed. And of course, that's the risk <laughs> that you take when you jump into the near future, right? Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, that's... Um, you know, a very no, complete, completely forgivable. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think you can. There, I've criticized plenty of things about Doctor Who. I don't think that's one of the things I would criticize. <laughs> is that they couldn't <laughs> control the Olympic Games enough to have they can't him, control the future. Yeah, uh, do that. So, I know for a show about a Time Lord, it seems like they should be able to, but no. alas. Um, no, good episode. I, you know, it was, I don't think it was certainly not my favorite because we had that last week. But yeah. um, no, but I think, I think, you know, above average, definitely. I liked it. Interesting. I, I know this is one of the ones that people cite as one they don't, no. isn't a favorite. And I never really understand that about, this is one of those ones, this is kind of like, it reminds me of when we had like a uh, puppet show and... Um, uh, what was the other one? The one with Moloch. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I Robot Eugene. Yeah, whereas, like, I could I could see... I, I could understand the not liking of Puppet Show, but I kind of didn't understand it about I Robot Eugene. That's how I feel about this. Like, I don't think there's plenty of, like, nice subtext going on. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading more into it, but I think between, like, the stuff with the dad, and then the stuff that's going on between the Doctor and the Isolus. I think it's kind of juicy, but maybe it's not... Maybe because I think maybe because it's a simpler, quieter... Like, it's sort of domestic. There's not a lot of... Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of effects. There's not... It's very simple. Like, not much happens, like, in terms of action or... Yeah, well, and, and it, it really is scaled down. Like, I mean, obviously, like... Okay, yes, at the end, he literally saves the world again. But, yeah. you know, like, it's really about a neighborhood, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. like a very small community that, that we're talking about here. It's not like they're all over London or it's not like they're saving the whole country or even the whole world. Yes, yeah. that does happen. But that, like, the threat to the whole world comes right at the end and it's resolved in like a couple minutes it's not like and and that's sort of incidental to what they're already trying to do so Mm -hmm. i I like that it's it's closer sort of in in community i also like um uh i do like sort of the tone like i mean it's not certainly not like the darkest one or the lightest one either like you know i mean it's just mm-hmm. it, i think from a tone perspective you get some darkness you get some you know lighter moments and 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 whatever i don't know i thought it had a good balance overall i think that's that's sort of why i like it but and and i yeah, do think I um like we were saying just about i saw this i like that it's not a clear um y- you know evil like uh entity certainly Mm -hmm. it's doing something that's not right but it's not malicious it's not um you you know which goes totally against the whole we were talking about the exorcist and and sort of it being the yeah the the anniversary of that movie and there's the whole scene there where (laughs) very similar to an exorcist and uh, you know once again we get sort of the ritualistic um invocation of the shadow proclamation, you know, and and that kind of thing. And, and I like that. And then you come to find out, Oh, this isn't actually like an evil spirit or something. It's 
a childish one. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. you know, something that, that is actually kind of innocent, you know, mm-hmm. sort of the opposite of evil. Um, but yet that they, that the outcome still is kind of the same. Like it's, you know, the, the things yeah. that it's doing are still not good and it's still, you know, the results, intention doesn't necessarily matter. And, and whatever, if, if you're hurting people, you're hurting people, you know, whether you're good or evil or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, I like that that's all part of it. So yeah, Yeah, like I said, not my favorite episode, but I don't think there's a call to call it the worst episode by any means. Um, so I, I, I I would say again, uh, above average. Good. All right. All right. Now, surprise me with your analysis of the episode of (laughs) Buffy called Surprise. All right. Well, um, let's start with, um, I think, I think most of what we want to talk about again is character related stuff. So we might as well start with the thing, which is sort of the monster of the week. Mm -hmm. Although it seems that he's maybe going to be back and maybe (laughs) sort of a character in his own right. Um, Uh which is the judge. The judge. Um, the judge. So, um, yeah. So he is a demon mm-hmm. brought forth to rid the earth of the plague of humanity. Yeah. Um, which, it's funny, we're not uh, very close to the end of the season, but we're getting sort of apocalyptic <laughs> right. size of threat here. Like, this guy will... This isn't... Not that vampires aren't threats, but vampires are very local, mm-hmm. you know, in comparison. They really just and, want and, to suck And almost blood. parochial, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. They really just, they, they, they leech onto a neighborhood and use it as their food source. Whereas this guy is intending to wipe out humanity right. from existence. Well, and especially, like, like, we kind of get the feeling that the master was sort of on that same level. Yeah. But, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. But right. he was still he a vampire. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. But like he was still a vampire. Clearly, he was uh, somewhat debilitated for for the first season there and whatever. But yeah, like this is like like now we're talking. We're like yeah, we're summoning and bringing. Well, and and I guess technically he's already in the world, but he's indestructible. The best you can hope to do is cut him up and send him to far corners to, of the yeah. earth. Yeah, which is interesting. Um. um. And we get that um, no weapon forged can kill him, which Mm -hmm. is very, uh, you know, classically, there's a catch in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I... I, Macbeth of of no woman born. Yeah, I I use the the verb Macbethian. Yes. Yes. It's it's very Macbethian. Or... or, no man can kill me. Like all those. Right, know, right, right, right. It's like okay, now we have to start looking for the loophole. <laughs> like, right, right. No is it so? Maybe can kill him. Maybe is it so, not a weapon that kills him, or not maybe a weapon, or or a weapon that wasn't forged? Right, so like, right. Yeah. Some sort of a naturally occurring weapon or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, like, those may not be far off of the solution for the judge, yeah, like, but it may so be too early to, to reveal start, whether. Start whether and out how the language, you know, exactly what does that mean? Right. And, right. No. Um, yeah. Definitely. And, and obviously that's sort of worded intentionally. Um, and we also have right. Prophecies are sticky things like we don't yeah. or tricky even things. Um, 
real quick, I did want to mention, so, you know, I had given my introduction to Marty Knoxon a few episodes back, and this is uh, another episode by her. Um, and of mm-hmm. course, um, I mentioned in my introduction that she writes quite a bit in season two and considering she doesn't start writing till like halfway through season two, she we'll start seeing, yeah, we'll half. start seeing yeah. a lot of, of her influence here. But, um, just generally speaking, um, it also introduces the concept of Buffy's birthday, um, which from the timing of when this originally aired, um, was meant to be sort of around the time of Buffy's birthday. I don't think that we're ever actually told the exact day of Buffy's birthday, but it is basically near the end of January, sometime okay. in the latter half of January. Um, okay. Definitely. There's some so spec- we'll get that. There- so we'll get that like. We will get recurring. So, like a, so a, we t- a, an annual. We, we talked about th- there are sort of annual um, events that happen. One we've talked about Halloween. Now Halloween mm-hmm. we don't get every season. Buffy's okay. birthday we get every season except the last. There is some celebration of Buffy's birthday, and typically they are. You can expect that her birthday will be momentous events that somehow go awry. Okay. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, there's just something about Joss and birthdays because we get it in Firefly too, with Simon's birthday, we get almost the same repetition here from Buffy of, you know, but it was my birthday. Yeah. And, you know, just like Simon, Oh, well, it's just, it was my birthday. So, you know, yeah. Why did this happen? Yeah. Like, you're always going to have bad luck on your birthday. Exactly. So, um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, you know, it's a fun thing, but, uh, I, you know, but then you also get the opportunity for for fun and confusing moments like the surprise party that they throw <laughs> and and Cordelia's, um, you know, exhortation of the 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 name of the episode. Surprise. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we kind of wandered away from the judge. Let's. Um, sorry, I wandered away from the judge. Um, I took us away from the judge. What? Um, yeah. So, what do you? What do you? What do you sort of see? I mean, we we see him finally assembled at the end of the episode, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, he's kind of a badass. So it's true. Uh, what are your thoughts? Questions? I'm not going to necessarily answer the questions. I'm just curious okay. what they are at this point. Well, um, I I kind of like how. I wasn't thinking about this until just sort of now, so I don't know that I have words for it, but, like, the way he speaks is very urbane, or sort of, like, he has this kind of interesting, like, he seems almost, like, prudishly disapproving of... Right. ...of the vampires, which I think is really interesting. Like, he's a... Well... ...a demon, and, like, he's sort of, like, hmm, he's looking around, like, I don't know that I approve of the way you're running things here and it's and it's interesting he uh calls out the thing i've been saying for the past couple weeks which is that drew and spike are acting an awful lot like regular people well i believe the terms he used is that they reek of humanity they reek of humanity (laughs) and not to say that they're not i mean drew is still you know off her nut and she's still crazy and like you know they're still bad guys but like (laughs) yeah but but like he says um 
yeah, he says, like, you reek of humanity, and, and uh, I assume what he means by that is their affection for each other yeah. and their emotion and um, all those sort of typically human things. And again, he says that in sort of different terms about, um, is it Dalton? Mm-hmm. The, he says... This one uh, is full of feeling. He reads. <laughs> he reads. I know. What an indictment. He I know. reads. And there's something about, like, it reading makes him more human. That, like, because he's engaging in the imagination and, you know, and story, that that automatically humanizes him. Yeah. Um, no. So I... he's sort of fodder to be, like, burnt because he's not acting like a proper vampire. Like he's sort of, you know, and there's that implication that like, he kind of looks at Drew and Spike the same way. It's only their authority that kind of says, okay, well you right. can't burn us. So burn one of them. We brought you back. It's sort of right. It's like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe you're evil enough because you did bring me back. So yeah, like, I'm going to yeah. give you the benefit I'll of the doubt for now. Time. Yeah. Yeah. At least until all of the actual full humans are dead. Humans and, are gone. Yeah. But then you guys are at the low yeah. end of the totem pole. Well, and I think it brings into focus a, a point that we sometimes forget is that we, we have been told that vampires are sort of hybrid demons, right? They're, they're demons that come to live in a human body. They're not mm-hmm. pure demonic force. Right. Um, and I think in that instance, and, and what we're seeing here now is, yeah, that, that opposite point of view, you know, it's, it's, it's the pure bread looking at the half blood, you know, right. it's, it's, it's definitely, <laughs> um, you know, vampires are kind of stuck in the middle there. And I, and I think that's the question we're continuing. I mean, and, you know, we talk about Angel having a soul, but you've even sort of questioned, like, what, is, what does that mean in, in the difference between um, him and, like, other vampires? Like, right. it's not even, like, and, and the judge explicitly says, you stink of humanity, you share affection and jealousy. Like, yeah. that's his indictment. And Spike, Spike defends his humanity. He says, yeah. yeah, what of it? Like, yeah. you know, he's not defending his his evilness at that point. He's defending his humanity. He's defending his love for Drew. And I yeah. think that that... Right, that's interesting that he doesn't deny it. He doesn't say, oh, what are you talking about? I don't care yeah. about her. I, I'm full vampire. No. He kind of goes, yeah, I'm human. What's the problem? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he might as well be or Yeah, that. or at least that I share those characteristics with humans like yeah. i don't know that he would be so quick to say i'm human no i but, know but, but it's almost like by implication yeah you know if, if if the judge is saying you stink of humanity and he says okay what's the problem mm-hmm. you know like, right right there he's not writing off everything human as necessarily something that he needs to sort of like you know pretend that he's yeah. not associated with or um but i do i do think that we're meant to see spike and drew as an aberrant couple right like okay. you know they're they're and that well i mean i'm not that's not to say we won't see other vampire couples ever you know in the yes. series but but it's not necessarily the norm Right. Okay. So yeah. I, I would say that much. But I but I would also say 
you know, I just think that we need to keep asking that question is what is really the difference between a vampire and a human? And that, yeah. that it's easy. And that's what makes them so interesting because we, we, we know that angel can feel these things because he had this gypsy curse put on him. But as far as we know, Spike and Drew haven't had right. anything like that that should make them different from other vampires. So right. exactly. why are they able to have, you know, a monogamous relationship or like affection or jealousy or whatever? Or mostly when, monogamous, right. Or, you know what I mean? Like they have an attachment to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, when other vampires don't really seem concerned with that. They seem more like the mindless rabble that sort mm-hmm. of just isn't interested in going out and you know attacking right, people and right. listening to the directions of their leaders they don't really have much of a life of their own really and, and i think even that in itself you know shows the humanity insofar as <clears throat> um that's just like humans right there are the humans who are perfectly fine doing the sort of drudgery everyday jobs right. you know that are whatever and then there are the people who are those natural leaders you know so to right. speak and and who have those intense relationships of various kinds not necessarily even romantic ones but like you know just who are intense people or who have you know strong focus and and big goals and that kind of yeah. thing like this is you know um this very sort of uh strata you know, of the vampires is almost itself a human sort of thing. And in, in that people yeah. tend to tend to form up in those ways. Um, right. And I, 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 I'm getting dangerously close to saying that, like, you know, there's like a natural order of like class and stuff. I don't mean to say that, like, so please don't jump on me, anyone <laughs> for like going down that road. I don't mean to say that per se, but I, you know, there definitely are people with certain characteristics that, there are people who are, you know, we born natural leaders, and mm-hmm. and there are people who are sort of born natural, not leaders, <laughs> you know, and who who sort of do the things. And there's, you know, there's people who like to, you know, read books and that sort of thing. And there's Daltons, you know, in the vampire world. So like, yeah, I think I think to look at like vampirism as sort of a monolithic ideal is as silly as to look at humanity as a sort of monolithic ideals. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there, there's a, there's a whole set of, of variations that can happen in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, the, that question becomes then how are vampires so that much difference? Right. And, and, and that's a question that, yeah, we should keep looking at. But I think, I think, Definitely seeing the judge brings us a little closer because we do see that from his perspective, there definitely is some humanity still about vampires. Um, So I I think it it does actually in part answer or at least address some of the questions that you've been asking. It confirms that that's not like and we knew this anyway, but like that that's not a mistake. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that that's there as part of the story. Mm-hmm. Like and I kinda got that sense that like the fact that we've been talking about this. Um, yeah, since episode one, since Jesse. That that's like you know, a good you've yeah. indicated that that's a good thing to be thinking of. But like it's the story confirming yes, you should be thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And like this is an interesting aspect of their characters. It's not it's not inconsistent writing. It's actually a question that we're supposed to be, you know, asking of ourselves and asking of the story, you know, what, what makes vampires different from people and what makes Spike and Drusilla different from other vampires, you know, Mm -hmm. that that's actually like where, where the story's going, I think. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, okay, so the judge, Spike and Drew, anything um, about them? And Dal- poor Dalton. And Dalton. Oh, yeah. he gets burned for his reading habits. He, he was a wanker, but, you know, he <laughs> did have half a brain. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. I, gu- he, I guess he did. He seemed kind of inept a lot of the time, but... He, <laughs> he, was, in, just... he, was, he was inept, but he did get the box back, right, as promised. That's true. That's true. So... You know, I mean, I you you kind of do have to feel sorry for him because he did. Yeah. Yes, he lost the box, but I mean, come on, he was up against the Slayer. How many yeah. vampires win against the Slayer? Not many. Yep. Um, yeah. So you know, I mean, but then he yeah. did go and get it back. So it's not like he's a complete loser. Um, yeah. And, but you know, doesn't well, matter now because he's gone. Poor, poor Dalton. Um. um and um. No, the only other thing I guess I have is kind of what you said, that the judge certainly can't be killed by dropping a bunch of debris on his head. That's right, not going right, to work. Right. So I, I assume he's going to return next week, at least, yeah. if not well, past then. And we didn't sort of acknowledge this up front. This is the first part of a two-part story. So yeah. um, whether the judge goes beyond the two parts or not, I will neither confirm it nor deny. But seen, yeah. Um, yeah, it, you know, so, yeah, it's not a huge surprise that he will be back next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas, now there's, I mean, I kind of see an obvious place to go from here as far as, things i find interesting about this episode but yeah you go t- for it. you tell me what no 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 i i no, want no, you no. okay well no, you you have something obvious i'm so going let's i'm go going right i'm going right for jenny jen yes yes that okay. is quite obvious and a good place to go okay so yeah strange dude comes walking into her classroom Mm-hmm. Uh, did you notice sort of the way she positioned herself when she turns around and kind of steps around her desk and puts the desk between him and her. Yeah, I don't know that I really thought of it in those terms, but I, I definitely and, noticed her stiffness. And I, and, and, like, I, and I will say this, I had never looked at it that way before. So, like, this was something yeah. that I picked up new on on this viewing of it. But yeah. it, it, it just it kind of jumped out at me like... One sort of putting herself in sort of a place of authority, right, as the teacher right, behind, behind the, the desk, desk yeah. but also in a place of protection. Yeah. Um, by putting right. a physical object between her and this man, who you know, obviously we find out later that he's her uncle. Um, yeah. But it, it, that there's still something sort of to fear there. Yeah. No, um, I, and and I didn't think about that with the desk, but I definitely got her 
stiffness. Mm-hmm. You know, that it wasn't just like... Yeah, and I think it, the it desk is just It wasn't a, like a guilt thing, like, oh, I'm sorry I haven't written, you know, oh, like, you know, she's the... She's the breadwinner who's supposed to be sending money back to the family. It, it wasn't like a guilt thing. It was like definitely a, oh, I was not expecting this, and I'm not happy that he's here, and I'm not prepared to sort of defend why I haven't been doing the thing that I said I would be doing. Yeah, apparently basically. there's some some deeper story going on here. Yeah. Which I think, no. I mean, we get most of it here, I think. Yeah. But, um... No, it's, uh... I... That did not see that coming. No, any I know. of that with Jenny. Yeah, and I, no, that's I a really honestly good... couldn't remember in what episode this happened. So, like, obviously, I knew it was coming, but yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't want to. Um, I know sometimes I hint at things, uh, uh-huh. and no, and, you, and this one, I definitely I... wanted to to be a surprise. Yeah. So what what are your thoughts? I want to I want to get your impressions. What are my thoughts? Here. Well. Because we do get a little more about... Okay, I have one question. Okay. Which yep. maybe you can or can't answer, or you can say that you can't answer it. Um, I couldn't remember if I'd asked this before. Um, is Drusilla the gypsy girl? Or is that oh. a separate victim of angels? Um, I don't remember if you've asked that before. Okay. I, 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 yeah, no, she's not. I, okay. I don't think that's a big... I didn't think so, but I wasn't no, sure I, if cause, maybe... Because yeah. um, the, uh, the girl is killed. The girl Angel kills the girl from okay. the village, the gypsy girl. Okay. And, and I wasn't and the sure people if that around. was just like a euphemism for turning into her. I just, I wasn't well, sure. I thought that could potentially be a link, but I wanted to ask it before I went too far down that road. I suppose I suppose you're right. That could be sort of a euphemism. Um, Just the way that it's the way not the uncle in this said, case. Like, okay, <laughs> like, yeah, like, the, like, and I, I don't yeah. think I even thought of it before. But the way the uncle said, like, he killed her and he destroyed everyone that touched her and everything. Mm-hmm. That sounded like what he did to Drusilla. Like he turned her and he also like killed her entire family. That's right. That's right. But, no, you're right. But maybe we're just supposed to see this as like a case of like a serial killer in the sense that like, he's not just done this to Drusilla. He's done this to like a right. lot of people. No, I think, um, I mean, I, I think the biggest hint is just the accents um, in this yeah. case. And, you know. and I did think of that was like, yeah, yeah. She doesn't have, a, you know, right. A, a Romani accent or right. whatever. But like, the, yeah. you know, but then again, neither does Jenny, but of course She's sort of like right. the Americanized, right? You know, right. it's it, it, whereas um, whoever they're like, if it, if Drusilla had been, she would probably be keeping um, yeah. that right. accent. She was like, yeah, 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 no, and so yeah, I I thought that was probably the case that like we would probably they would probably have said if no, it was the same. I will but... I will say this much: we will learn more about Drusilla's history. Okay, cool. so. Um, so that's not, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a big spoiler to say she's not the gypsy thing. Um, yeah. Those are separate stories completely. Okay. Um, although. But I think the parallel well, anyway. still nice. I mean, obviously yeah, we're no, given that, like. The, that is interesting. I hadn't similar, picked up on that. Yeah. Similar cases. So Angel was not just a bad guy once. He was a bad no, guy. No, well, and we get, we get a the. A lot of um, times. 
you know, early on in when we first meet Angel and they're kind of doing the research on him, we did get a little, you know, background on him that, yeah, he was a bad guy. Like, he rampaged through Europe. So, um, vampires, well, and we've seen this already, right, with with Spike and and the the, the people who, um, you know, the the episode there where where Buffy's friend came and, and, you know, they had their little cult that they wanted to to be turned, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Spike was reluctant to do that, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So there's a general reticence of vampires to turn more vampires. Um, we've seen it happen, like with Jesse, but that was for a specific purpose. We saw it happen. Um, gosh, why can't I remember his name? Ford. That's it, right? With yeah. Ford. And, and again, that was sort of for a specific purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Um so like I think just generally speaking, we don't we don't see a lot of just random vampire generation. Mm-hmm. One of Angel's big things when he was Angelus, and again we'll learn more, but it was that like it was more like mass murder than you know, making lots of other vampires kind right. of thing. Right. Um, right. Which Again, we've sort of gotten that that hint. I don't think it's been stated that explicitly per se, but I don't think that's a big a big uh, spoiler or anything. Um, yeah. But we definitely we definitely get yeah, more. Yeah. Well, you can kind of get that just the vehemence with which Jenny's uncle uh, talks about him. You know, you can see like the 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 havoc he wreaked on their tribe and everything. And yeah. They put this curse on him, and they not only put the curse on him, but they've sent people out to keep an eye on him mm-hmm. to make sure that it's holding and he's still suffering. Yeah, um, and and yeah, and a couple things about that. So I guess one for me, the thing that sort of always struck me is, um, like this happened. I don't remember like hundred. 150 however many years ago like i mean you know over a century ago definitely okay yeah um so man they can keep a grudge a really long time but they pass it down but but not only that like it's he talks about the uncle talks about um the girl being like the most favored you know girl of the tribe or whatever and it's like really a girl like more than 100 years ago who's like still the most favored and and when he says that you kind of see jenny's face fall and on the one hand like i think you can see like shame there but i think you could also read into that um a sort of like well what about me like you know like i'm you know why am i not like a favored girl of the tribe kind of thing right. like we right. i have to do this well, it's for... almost like she's not that they didn't love her before but it's almost like in her martyrdom she became more favored like maybe right. what she's favored for is having been killed by angelus like rather than look at you know the young women who you do have in your tribe it's this sort of putting on a pedestal you know mm-hmm the woman who died in youth and wasn't, you know, potential squandered and just 
remembering that rather than right. actually moving on like four generations later or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and like look at Jenny and she's started a new life and what she's achieved and right. but her purpose is to serve the memory of right. the dead girl from 150 years back. Yeah, and it's that um yeah, sort of the 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 pull in her I think which you you hear about and I, I you know I'm not like uh, from an immigrant culture or anything myself, but like you hear about, you know, sort of the pressure that gets placed on people to do what their parents uh, yeah. expect of them, um, yeah. particularly in first generation immigrants, yeah. you know, to right. America. Um, right. We we came here now for you. Right. Now. So you could do, be a doctor. Do so you could it. be yes. a yeah. lawyer. So yeah. you could be what you know, some successful whatever. And yeah, yeah she's not it's not that particular type of um, expectation, but it's, it's, I th- I feel like in quality, it's the same type same sort of expectation that they're, you know, sort of placing on her, um, yeah. you know, and responsibility. Um, the, the, I liked the link to, uh, of the watching your time yeah, for watching has passed. And like a little critique of, Giles there of like the the, mm. the role of the watcher like mm-hmm. this watching crap is for the birds and get out there and don't watch mm-hmm. make him suffer you yeah. know watching's not going to cut it yeah so and especially because she's so she's now so closely aligned with Giles right you know so and, it's, and you have to wonder she's sort of watching by proxy <laughs> how much of that is is well i'm sure that's why she's in sunnydale right definitely i mean i I mean i think that's that's pretty clear why she's in Um, sunnydale but is her affection for giles genuine that's that's a question yeah i don't i mean you tell me what you think or you don't or or, you know i mean i don't know my my sense of it is that yes and i think that's because of the stiffness that the fact that you could tell she did not want to be having this conversation. She mm-hmm. was not expecting her uncle to show up. She's not prepared. And she really just seemed like she wanted him to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so that suggests to me that this is a duty she doesn't really want okay. all that badly. But I don't know. Um, I mean, it did get me wondering, like, I mean, obviously then, as soon as we get this scene, then you're getting all the, the, the questions of where's her alignment. (laughs) So you get the kind of brief glimpse of her in Buffy's second dream. Like just kind of from behind, you see her walking and Buffy doesn't even really notice her. Hmm. Um, and, and she, she says, Hey, and then Buffy, there's like a, the jump noise and like mm-hmm. you know like the music makes you jump like she's a threat right. now she's right buffy. and like when she's when she's misdirecting buffy you know well that's and they what, end up it, i mean it got me wondering enough about her loyalty even though i say i think her loyalty is on the good with the good guys but it got me wondering like when she goes to drive buffy to the surprise party you know, where is she taking her? You know, because she said, I'll take care of it. Like, I'll separate them. And then it's okay 
so we're driving to maybe the surprise party, maybe not. And then they get to the bronze, but they go in the back door for some reason, which mm. is kind of weird. Like, And so there's the vampires there. You start to wonder, okay, is this an ambush? Did she mm. set this up? And yeah. then none of that really seems to be the case. No. But they get you wondering. Right. Um, I mean, in the end, all she really does is suggest that Angel be the one to take the box away right which is like her... which is like an actual valid suggestion yes it yeah. actually he agrees with and it right. actually does make sense it just also happens to achieve her goal right and i kind of like the way um she actually when she says i'll drive you to the dock <laughs> she actually walks between them like she mm. comes between them in the frame like mm. separating them like physically <laughs> i like when she and, yeah she like pokes her head around the corner it, like. Like, like it's like they're just standing like right. the, the having this sort of like, intimate they're, moment they're facing each other like in profile and her head just kind of <laughs> comes around so that she sort of creeps exactly in there in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um no i think and i think your sense is right um and and would just point out too that she defends Angel, right? She she right. says uh, Angel still suffers, and he even makes amends for his evil. He even saved my life. Yeah. So I think yeah, I don't I don't think you're far off to say that we're we're meant to have questions, but She's I think conflicted. her motives are. Yeah. I think her motives are good. It's yeah. just I think it's how will she achieve? Yeah, the conflict between the duty to her people and and her sort of broader duty that she's taken on by becoming part of the Scooby team. Yeah. Um and 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 I think of having genuine affection for Buffy and Angel and and mm-hmm. the other members. Yeah. Um so speaking of Angel. Mhm. Um you know, not a lot, but I guess just sort of like we get the, you know, the one minute of happiness is too good for him and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but, yeah, so he and Buffy kind of step it up a notch. They sure do. Um, a big notch. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Willow's reaction. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And, and in case we don't get to it, I love her. I said date. <laughs> yeah oh we have to get the willow and oz well we we okay. went over a few minutes on doctor who so we can That's go true. over so a few minutes here. um but the the uh yeah no i mean they 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 clearly are are you know like we've we've talked about like the symbology of the angel giving buffy his coat way back in season yeah, one. Yeah, right now they're, um, he's like, giving a ring. Now this yeah. is even more so, and like, yeah. and explicitly so, right? That was yeah. just kind yeah. of a, uh, a, a, you know, an implied yeah. something or other. But like, this is oh yes, here is a ring, and it's a kind yeah. of ring where um, my people, you know, exchange it as a promise. And by the way, if you wear it a certain way, it means you're mine. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. I'm yours or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and I love the way he's like, here's what it means. Now put it on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, which she seems which perfectly she's, willing she's to do. To like, do. it's yeah. not, yeah. It's not like, yeah. I don't think there was too much force in that. No, definitely not. <laughs> exhortation. Um, the, the, uh, 
I, well, and of course, Xander's sort of interpretation of the whole angel going away and his um, his own prophesizing, I his suppose. fantasy. Yeah, about... fantasy. Yeah, prophesying is not the right word, but um, it's not likely to happen in no, any, no, any version. No. I, I don't think. think. Uh, I think he's projecting just a little bit there, and and funny that he's returning to that. Because he basically gets shot down by Cordelia. Xander right. does. So right. he's kind of going back to the same old fantasy of being right. with Buffy. Right, right, um, yeah. yeah, no, that's true. He's regressing a little bit there. Yeah. Or going back to what's comfortable, at least. Something right. that's sort of familiar. Familiar, and, and I think comfortable because he knows it won't happen. Right. Like, you know, I mean, because it's already... Like, yes, the the desire, I'm sure, is still there. And if Buffy showed even the slightest bit of interest, I'm sure he would be all over it. But that's why it's comfortable is because, you know, and that's why he can say it out loud is because yeah. he knows it's not ever going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and in the interest of time, too, I, you know, so two things about sort of. Buffy and Angel, the first being, kind of like you said, um, there is a lot, there's a parallel with Rose and the Doctor. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of characters jinxing themselves going on in these episodes of Mm. saying, like, you know, you know, if I lost you and, you know, all these kinds of weighted statements, you know, and then... Um, you know, what if statements, yeah. uh, you know, what would happen? And then, um, we get a really intense cliffhanger, you know, which then I think, you know, as we go into part two, I'm kind of wondering maybe the same things you're wondering about Dr. Who, which is like, there's a lot of portent going on in these mm. episodes and mm. it doesn't. It doesn't seem good. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a really interesting ending. And I don't know... I mean, we don't have any information about how to interpret, you know, why he suddenly wakes up in the middle of the night, you know... Sort of clutching at himself, Screaming yeah. about whatever is going well, on Well, he was yelling Buffy right his name. Yelling for Buffy. Yeah. Yep. So yep. something and she doesn't she doesn't hear him with her slayer instinct. Um she doesn't yeah. wake up right away, which is interesting. No. Um so what's going on with him that he has to have that sort of physical reaction and that it seems like he's calling Buffy like for help. Like, right, right. Something's going like wrong. Like he's in some kind of pain he's, or he's in pain and, yeah. and he needs her. So after all these discussions about, you know, these sort of, you know, oh, I, I couldn't bear it if I lost you type discussions, that is a uh, a scary ending, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not it, looking it good is. for Buffy and Angel, I don't no. think. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait until next <laughs> week to figure that one out. Yep. You know who it is looking good for? Uh, Willow and Oz. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, Willow, I mean, obviously, so cute. I said oh, date. Oh, she's adorable. <laughs> she's, and I love, she's great. Um, his, I'm, I'm going to ask you out, but I'm kind of nervous about it. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> well, if, oh, well, if it helps, I'm going to say yes. Okay, do you want to go out with me tomorrow? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that you're unpredictable. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that whole, that whole, uh, a nice rapport. Yeah. That uh, whole conversation. And of course they do end up going out because then Willow turns it around and asks him out to be her, her date. Date. (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a date. Uh, (laughs) and this is, so this is Oz's sort of official, uh, introduction into the Scooby gang. Yeah. He's initiated sort of quick, isn't he? Yeah. And I just love how, like, he's just so laid back about everything. About the whole and, thing, yeah. And, and when Willow is like, are, are you okay? He's like, yeah. Hey, did everyone see that guy just turn to dust? <laughs> like, he, he's just so matter-of-fact. Like, all right, you all aren't freaking out about this. So yeah. I'm not either, but, like, I still want to acknowledge that it happened. Yeah, like, and, nobody else is going to say it. I guess and, I will. And I love that Xander is, like, so exasperated by He's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Vampires are real, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, that, no, that explains I, like his, I like his reaction because it is that thing of, like, you, there's that meta level of surely the people of Sunnydale... Yeah. must know something is wrong with this place. Right, Like, right. I mean, now, we talk a lot about the levels of knowledge and how people ignore mm-hmm. the things they can't explain, so I think that all makes sense. But, like, it's nice to have a character say, you know, actually, that makes perfect sense. Like, yeah. like the evidence Like, the I've last seen, piece just clicked into out, place. Yeah, like, finding out that magic and vampires are real actually explains, like everything and yeah. i was just waiting and, for and it's funny because you don't me. know what he has witnessed or anything right. that would explain it so so that right. you know still leaves you questions of like well wait a minute what has he seen that right. suddenly this explains but right. it's 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 no it is good it, yeah we've seen we've seen now one clear instance of someone sort of ratchet and it, i mean we saw it with cordelia a yeah. bit well and, well and we saw it with Xander and Willow, although that was like the first episode. So, I mean, it, we, yeah. it's easy to sort of forget that we saw that. But like with Cordelia, it kind of took a while. It, it went from like, well, weird stuff just always happens when you're around to mm-hmm. or or rather with Cordelia it started with we, you make weird stuff happen right. to weird stuff happens when you're around to. Oh, actually, there's a lot of stuff and you actually are helping to stop the weird stuff. Yeah. Um, so like that was like a. a you know, a baby step process. This mm-hmm. is like, boom, right there. And, and on the one hand, you kind of feel like, you know, Oz is a smart guy. Like, why hasn't he figured it out sort of on his own before? But then, but then you also, like, you see, like, it's not, it doesn't have to do with intelligence. It has to do with um, information, Right. There's a difference between, you know, between knowledge and and intelligence. There's there's. Oh, okay. With this one final piece of information that I was missing, it really. okay. now I see the the big picture. I've always known that there's something behind this, but I don't have the data to. Right. Like it took someone saying it's this to him for him to go. Okay, actually, with what I know that Eureka that actually all the. 
everything lines up. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, so Oz is a cool guy. I mean, obviously, yeah, him and Willow kind of hitting it off pretty good. Xander and Cordy mm-hmm. on not the rocks, not sure what's going on there. No. <laughs> okay, I'll spend money, then we'll grope. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah, groping in a boom closet isn't dating. It's not a date yeah. until the guy spends money. Yeah. Like, oh, that's her definition of, of a date. Um, well, and, and it's also just her excuse for why we're not really dating. Don't yeah, say we're dating. No. We're not really dating. Even though they right. might as well this isn't This and isn't Xander's really happening. And position is like, we might as well be. Uh, whereas she's sort of still sort of finding excuses right. to well, of course you want. pretend you, like. Yeah, yeah, of course you want to tell all your friends because I'm hot and I'm popular and yeah. everyone loves me. Yeah. But why would I ever want to be with you? Yeah, no, that's... That's a good question, Cordy. <laughs> it is a good question, and it's not the last time she might ask it, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, 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 the thing I actually did appreciate about Cordy, though, like, I liked Giles's little speech about his sort of keep calm and carry on British sort of mm. stoicism, like, life is always going to be sucky, mm-hmm. so we might as well have a party. Right. And, and I kind of feel like Cordy's is anyone else going to have cake is sort of her version of that. Like I know vampires just crash through the wall and, but like, how right. don't we just have cake? But there is food like, here. Yeah. She's just very in her own way a, a stoic and very practical. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> we're just sort of going to carry on and, you know, sort of she's there to kind of keep everyone on the ground. I think. Yep. No, I think that's right. And, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with them. With all of them. We'll see what happens next week. Because we're out of time this week. We are. And, well, I guess that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) So, thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you next week. See you then.